Um, so I picked this reading this morning, as I say, at the start of a, a new term, but also because uh, it is uh, almost exactly 10 years since I came to a church meeting at uh, Bolney Village Chapel, uh, so you could, um, you could kind of, you could vet me and see whether you wanted to invite me to come as pastor, and uh, 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 I passed the vetting and uh, you did invite me to come and uh, so I've been here for 10 years. But I think at that church meeting about 10 years ago, I spoke from this passage and I shared some kind of uh, things that I had in mind as kind of hallmarks of a healthy church and some of the things that I value. So I thought, well, kind of 10 years in, it might not be a bad idea to revisit some of those things and uh, to remind myself as much as anything else. So... Uh, read to me quickly because we want to have we're going to have communion as I say this morning uh, but um, five things that I see in this passage five things that I see in the attitude of Mary that I think are just great things to aspire to if you're a follower of Jesus uh, because they're things that we see in the attitude of Mary that actually I think are she's just she's a wonderful example as a person of faith and often over the years, I've looked at her example and thought, I would love to emulate the way in which she responds to what God tells her. And uh, something. So five things that I see in the attitude of Mary, five hallmarks of a healthy church uh, from this passage. And the first is simply that she had, uh, she must have had a very close relationship with God. Uh, God doesn't, uh, God does kind of speak through the angel out of the blue, but she has uh, a relationship with the Lord. She knows the Lord and she, uh, she trusts him and she is sensitive to his leading and she listens to his voice. So when the Father, when God speaks to her through the angel Gabriel, she knows it's God. I think she is, you know, she's probably just a young teenager, maybe 13, 14 years old. But I think she has grown up knowing God and she has developed a relationship with the Lord uh, that is close and so when the Lord speaks she recognizes it as his voice she hears his voice and obviously if we're a people of God if we are followers of Jesus then one of the most important things is that we we have a close relationship with him uh, one of the uh, in the Proverbs it says this Proverbs chapter 3 verses 5 and 6 this is the um, from the Passion Translation which is a, is a kind of a pa- paraphrase rather than a direct uh, translation but sometimes it just um, it sort of unpacks the verses a little bit more so the Passion Translation of Proverbs 3 verses 5 and 6 says this uh, trust in the Lord completely and do not rely on your own opinions With all your heart, rely on him to guide you and he will lead you in every decision you make. Become intimate with him in whatever you do and he will lead you wherever you go. Just fantastic advice. Trust in the Lord completely. Don't rely on your own opinions. With all your heart, rely on him. Become intimate with him in whatever you do and he will lead you wherever you go. And I think Mary has this sort of intimacy in her relationship with the father that she trusts him and allows him to lead her. And as, uh, you know, as a Christian, that's something that I uh, kind of aspire to is intimacy with the father. It is possible to know about God 
without knowing God. There are lots of people who know lots of things about God, but don't know him. It's very possible to be a churchgoer. It's very possible to be in church Sunday after Sunday and know about God without ever actually coming into relationship with him and developing a relationship of intimacy with him. But one of the hallmarks of a healthy church is a people of God who are pressing into an intimate relationship. So do you know about God or do you know him? Are you able to trust him, to rely on him, to allow him to lead you and to guide you? That's the first thing. Second thing, the message that the angel Gabriel has for Mary is one that completely changes her life. Imagine what she was aspiring to at this point in her life. As I say, she's probably 13 or 14 years old. Her, her kind of hopes and dreams for the way her life is going to go is that her husband Joseph, to whom she's betrothed, will be a, you know, a good husband who will look after her, who will provide for her, and who hopefully will give her children. And she's probably not expecting very much more for her life than that. Uh, she's from a poor family. Uh, she's not expecting to be noticed much. She's just hoping for a simple life in which she will be looked after and in which she will be able to have children who will carry on the family name. And then suddenly the angel Gabriel comes and gives her a message that just radically changes everything. Her life is not going to be as she thought it was going to be. And with great humility, she takes all of that on board. And with great humility, she, she sort of, she's just prepared to, to question everything about her life. She's prepared to question her assumption. She's prepared to question the status quo and to suddenly see that everything is going to be completely different. And one of the worst things that a church can ever do is kind of get into a rut. Is get into a rut of, well, this is... This is church. This is the way that we do things. This is the way that things have always been. And so this is the way that things will always be. There always needs to be a, a, a freshness about the way we are church because it's about relationship with a God who is a God of relationship. Perhaps in these uh, last six months since coronavirus hit, one of the things that has we've been forced to do is question the way that we do things. We've had to change so much about the way we our church and the way that we go about being church but actually uh, the church has continued the church has continued to grow the church has continued to expand the good news of Jesus has continued to be proclaimed in all sorts of different ways as a church community we must always have that attitude of humility to say well if the Lord asks us to go in a different direction if the Lord asks us to do something differently are we willing to take that on board I love the attitude of Paul writing in 1 Corinthians, the Apostle Paul, whose life was so radically changed by meeting Jesus that all he wanted to do was share Jesus with whoever he could by whatever means that he could. And I'm sure some of you will be familiar with this passage from 1 Corinthians chapter 9, where Paul basically says, whatever it takes, whatever I have to do to tell people about Jesus, that's what I'll do. And there's this lovely passage where he says, Though I'm free and belong to no one, I make myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. To the Jews, I became like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became like one under the law, though I myself 
and not under the law, so as to win those under the law. To those not having the law, I became like one not having the law, though I'm not free from God's law, but I'm under Christ's law, so as to win those not having the law. To the weak, I became weak to win the weak. I have become all things to all people, so that by all possible means I might save some. I do all this for the sake of the gospel, that I may share in its blessing. So that's Paul's attitude, is whatever I need to do in order to reach the lost, that's what I'll do. And I think a sign of a, uh, a healthy church, a hallmark of a healthy church, is a church that says, well, actually, our, our first priority is to win the loss. Our first priority is to tell people about Jesus. So we're always looking at, at what we're doing and asking ourselves questions about, well, is, is what we're doing meeting that goal? Is what we're doing serving that goal of reaching the lost? And if it isn't, then well, maybe we need to question what we're doing. Maybe we need to find other ways. Um, third thing, third hallmark of a healthy church is that we are, uh, we're led by vision. We're led by the vision that God gives us. We're not led by the resources that we think we have. We put vision first. Um, uh, Mary is given this extraordinary message from the angel Gabriel, and if she were just to look at her, you know, at her own resources, quite clearly it would be impossible, completely impossible for any of this to, to you know, to come to fulfilment. You will, you know, she's betrothed, she's not married yet, but you'll be with child, you'll give birth to a son, you'll give him the name Jesus, he'll be great. And will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. All of this is completely impossible for Mary as she sat there given the resources that she knows that she has. But this is a vision from God and she takes it on board and she's prepared to look with eyes of vision. And to think well if this is what God wants to happen then if I trust him it will happen. And again it's so easy uh, um, as a church so often to think well what are the resources that we have to bring to the table and let's base our vision on the resources that we have rather than to seek God's face and to ask him well what is his vision what does he want us to do and then trust him to provide the resources that we need to do what he wants us to do um, a couple of weeks ago uh, a bit further on in Luke's gospel um, uh, Peter unpacked the feeding of the feeding of the five thousand. Five thousand. I don't know if you saw that um, uh, thing on Facebook this week about uh, how that would work, given if they're only allowed to meet in groups of six, uh, how much more difficult it would have been. But you know, the five thousand are, are fed. In fact, twenty thousand by the time you factored in all the you know the women and children. And um, you know, what do the disciples have when Jesus asks them to? you know, to feed everybody. Well, you know, they managed to rustle up five, you know, five loaves and two small fish. Now, if you're led by resources rather than vision, what are you going to do if you're one of the disciples and you look and you think, well, I've got this basket with, you know, five loaves and two fish and there are 20,000 people. You are just going to sneak off round the back and have yourself a little picnic. Uh, but they don't do that. Jesus has said, everyone is going to get fed. So they, well, this is, all we, this is what we've got, but you say everyone's going to get fed. And that's what happens because they, they learn to be led by vision, not resources. So the most important thing for a, a healthy church, and again, it comes back to having an intimate relationship with God, is that we hear his voice 
and we're led by him and we're led by vision. That's what leads us. Um, uh, Hebrews chapter 11 says, faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. When we're led by vision, that's how we live our lives. So that's the third hallmark. We're led by vision, not by resources. Fourthly, fourth hallmark of, the holy, of, a, of a healthy church. How does this vision that Mary is given, how does it come to be? Well, she don't, can't do it in her own resources. So what she does is she, she welcomes and cooperates with the Holy Spirit. She welcomes and cooperates with the Holy Spirit. And as, as the people of God, we can only be what God wants us to be. We can only do the things that Jesus asks us to do if we welcome and cooperate with the Holy Spirit. The, Mary says to the angel, she says, well, how is this going to be? I'm, you know, I'm still a virgin. I'm betrothed. I'm not married. How can any of this be? And the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So Mary has to make a decision. Is she going to, you know, to welcome and cooperate with the Holy Spirit? Uh, as a church community, are we always willing to, to welcome and cooperate with the Holy Spirit? Paul, in his letter to the Ephesians, uh, writes to them. He says, he says, be filled with the Holy Spirit. He says, don't get drunk on wine. Don't have wild parties. He says, he says be filled with the Holy Spirit, and um, as you may know, the, the tense of the uh, the tense of the verb that he uses is present continuous. It's not a one-off thing. It's it's always be open to the Holy Spirit, always welcome and cooperate with the Holy Spirit. How else can we build the kingdom of God? How else can we do the things that Jesus asks us to do? How else can we cast out demons, heal the sick, raise the dead, preach the good news? We can't do it. In our own resources. It's not a human task. It's a divine task. And God gives us everything that we need. I love Paul's humility when he. At the beginning of 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 2. At the beginning of his uh, first letter. And he, he, he talks to the church at Corinth. About how he felt uh, when he was sent to them. And he simply says this. He says uh, when I came to you. I didn't come with eloquence or superior wisdom. As I proclaim to you the testimony about God, I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I came to you in weakness and fear and with much trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power. So that your faith might not rest on men's wisdom, but on God's power. Um, you know, Paul, the greatest evangelist in history, goes to Corinth and he's quaking in his sandals. But he knows the power of the Holy Spirit and he knows that the Holy Spirit will give him everything that he's lacking. In another place, Paul writes that he says it, it's when we are weak that we become strong. It's when we know that we haven't got the resources to bring to the table to get the job done, that actually we get the job done. Because it's in those moments that we rely on the presence and the power of God's Holy Spirit. Hallmark of a healthy church is that we welcome and cooperate with the Spirit of God. And, and lastly, fifthly, and um, I love 
verse 38, I absolutely love Mary's response. Having been given this incredible message from the angel Gabriel, the consequences of which might have been that she will be stoned to death for being found pregnant before she is married. At the very least, it's going to mean a life of, um, uh, of people looking at her, people questioning her morality. It's going to be a, a life that is not going to be easy. At the, very, you know, at the very least, question marks about the kind of person that she is, potentially losing her life. And yet her response is, I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. Just what a, a wonderful attitude of surrender. It just speaks of complete surrender. And as a church community, surely that needs to be at the very heart of who we are as a people, that actually we come to God and we, we surrender ourselves completely. Uh, I love again uh, Paul writing to the church in uh, Galatia, Galatians chapter 2 verse 20, where he simply says, I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me, and gave himself for me. A Christian is someone who has utterly surrendered themselves to God because they understand that God in Jesus uh, surrendered himself to a cross in order that we might live. Whatever the Lord may ask of us, are we willing to say to him, we are the Lord's servants. May it be to us as you have said. So five um, hallmarks of a healthy church, five uh, things that um, it would be lovely for us to aspire to in our walk with him. That we long for intimacy with the Father. It's one of the reasons that I love to worship. It's one of the things I find, have found so frustrating about not being able to sing in worship. Because it's in worship that we draw near to the Father's Heart. We mustn't neglect that. We long for an intimate relationship with the Father. We're willing to question the way things are because God is always wanting to do something new and God is always wanting to reach the lost. And whatever it takes, that what, that's what we must do. We're people who are led not by the resources that we can see in our hands, but we're led by the vision that God gives us and we entrust him to give us the resources that we need. We welcome and cooperate with his Holy Spirit and we live lives that are completely surrendered to Christ. May those continue to be the hallmarks of our church community and the things that we long for. So let's take uh, a few moments uh, as always to allow the word of God to uh, register with us and uh, perhaps amongst those five hallmarks, maybe there's just there's one thing that's particularly spoken to us this morning. Let's just allow the Lord uh, to just ink that into our hearts and minds.